Love Well on Purpose, a podcast giving you biblical encouragement to love the people around you with intentionality. I'm your host, Rachel Shelb. I'm so glad that you've joined us for week five of the Love Well series. I have been enjoying diving into these stories and learning new things about them, and I hope that you have too. We have talked about the Good Samaritan. We have talked about um, Ruth. We've talked about Moses and Aaron and her. And this week, we're going to talk about an Old Testament story that you may or may not be familiar with. It's Joseph. And we're going to look at one component. There's so many things we could talk about for Joseph. We're going to look at one component of his life and see how it relates to us loving well on purpose. Let's get to it. Before we get into the story that we're going to look at today, which is found in Genesis 41 through about 46, we need some context on Joseph, who he was and why he wound up in the situation that he's in when we start in Genesis 41. So Joseph, if you recall, he's known for his coat of many colors, right? He has older brothers and Jacob is his father. Jacob loves Joseph immensely, maybe more than his other sons even. And Joseph gets these dreams from God. He starts telling his brothers and his dad what these dreams mean, what's going to happen. And basically the gist of these dreams is that Joseph's brothers and Joseph's family are all going to bow down to Joseph. At the time, Joseph was the youngest, and this would have been unheard of. Plus, no one wants to think that they're going to have to bow down to their own brother. And so this really, really, really made his brothers mad, especially his brother Judah. And so they decided that they would sell him into slavery. Initially, they were going to leave him for dead, but then they found this band of, of travelers walking by. They sold them into slavery, sold Joseph into slavery instead. And so then they took Joseph's multicolored coat, they smeared it all with animal's blood, and they took it back to their dad, Jacob, and said, oh no, Joseph's been mauled by this wild animal. What are we going to do? I'm so sorry. And Jacob was left grieving what he thought was the death of his son. Well, as Joseph is in slavery, he winds up working his ways up into Pharaoh's courts. And then as we know, um, Potiphar's wife, she winds up um, trying to do some really inappropriate things with Joseph. Joseph is a man of integrity. He runs away. Potiphar's wife lies about it. And Joseph gets thrown in jail. While he's in jail, he's able to interpret some dreams for some other men that are thrown in jail. And they say, oh, as they get out, they say, we are going to tell the Pharaoh all about how awesome you are. And we're going to make sure that you get out as well. Well, they forget. And so what we find here is we find it starts where two years later, two years after he had helped these men get released from prison, Joseph finally gets to be called up by Pharaoh. Pharaoh's having these crazy dreams. He can't figure out what they mean. No one can interpret it for him. And finally, finally, the cupbearer remembers, oh yeah, there's this guy, Joseph, and he interpreted my dream and he was really great at it and you should ask him. And that's where we find it. So these dreams that Pharaoh's having, Pharaoh is having these dreams about these thin cows and these fat cows, these thin grains of wheat, these fat grains of wheat, and it's all very confusing. Well, God shows favor with Joseph, and he allows Joseph to be in, able to interpret these dreams for Pharaoh. Basically, what, what Joseph reveals to Pharaoh is that there is going to be a famine all across the land, and 
they are going to basically starve to death unless they plan and prepare. So the fat calves and the fat grains of uh, wheat represent the seven good years that are going to happen, lots and lots of abundance before seven years of extreme famine. And so Pharaoh listens to him and Pharaoh takes him and believes him and says, okay, well, I'm going to put you in charge of all of Egypt. I'm going to let you be second in command. You are going to be in charge of all of this and especially in charge of famine preparedness, right? And so he is planning for what's going to happen when this famine comes. What is going to be the deal? How are they going to make it through as an entire nation, an entire area through seven years of famine? So Joseph is able to do this. He has been called and equipped by God for this moment in time. And he begins helping all of the people be able to know how to plan and store up. So they store up all, all of this wheat, all of this food that they need. It says that there were huge piles stored like sand so that he finally ceased to measure it for it could not be measured. So much wheat, so much grain that it just looked like the beaches and it couldn't be measured anymore. And so they stopped measuring it. They knew that they would have plenty. Joseph kept preparing and kept preparing for those seven years. Well, then the famine comes. Egypt is fine. Egypt is taken care of. But all these other nations are also experiencing famine and they find out that Egypt has plenty. Other nations start hearing about this and so they start coming as well and asking Egypt, asking Pharaoh to be able to give them food. Joseph has anticipated this. He is ready for this. Jacob is one of the people that hears that Egypt has food. They desperately need food, so he sends his sons to go and see if they can get food from Egypt. Now, Jacob keeps behind Benjamin, his youngest son, but he sends the others on. And it says that Jacob, when he first sees them, he recognizes them right away. They don't recognize him. Why would they? Joseph is in this Egyptian um, court. He is one of the leaders. He's the second in command. Why would they recognize him as their Jewish brother? They don't. But Joseph immediately recognizes his brothers. And based off of the Lord's leading, he treats them actually really roughly to begin with. He is really gruff and rude with them. He actually winds up putting them in prison for three days as part of this initial thing. Um, it's a whole long story. I encourage you to read Genesis 41 through 46 to get the full picture of this. But these are the highlights, right? And so then Joseph sees them. He releases them out of the prison. And he tells them um, that he will give them food if they will go and get Benjamin. Now, this is a test, and this is something that's really kind of um, weird, but also very important in this. He says, one of you has to stay behind, and the rest of you go and bring Benjamin here. You're, bring your youngest brother here, and then I will get you all of the food that you need. At first, the brothers are like, no, 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 we can't do this. You don't understand. Like, that, our brother back home, Benjamin, is the favorite. If we do this, it will devastate our father. We cannot do this. But Judah volunteers to stay in Egypt 
while his brothers go back. Now, why is that significant? It's significant because Judah was the one who initiated selling Joseph into slavery. Joseph was the favorite and Judah was willing to sell him away. Yet now Benjamin, Jacob's favorite now, is the one that Judah says, I'll stay, I'll stay in Egypt while the rest of you go. This is indicating a heart change. This is indicating that there has been growth and maturity that has happened over the years since they sold Joseph into slavery. Joseph tells them, he says, I fear God. That's an important phrase that they use because it would be a promise to them that says, I'm not going to harm Judah while y'all go and get Benjamin. I'm not going to cause any harm. That would have been a statement that would have resonated with them a little bit and they would have been um, intrigued by that. And it also would have brought comfort to them by Joseph saying, I fear God. That was almost like them, him making a promise and an oath to them and guaranteeing safety. And so they went. They went back to Jacob and they said, listen, we can get food if Benjamin comes with us. I can't imagine how confusing and weird this was for all of them involved. And Jacob did not want to send his beloved Benjamin, but he knew that they needed food. He was desperate to provide for his family. So he sent Benjamin back with his brothers. And in addition, he sent a double portion of money. He sent 20 pieces of silver. Why is that significant? Well, there were 10 brothers. So they needed 10 um, basically servings, right, of, of food from Egypt. But by, Joseph, by Jacob sending double the money, by him sending 20 pieces of silver, that was the same amount that Joseph had been sold to by his brothers. When his brother sold him, they sold him for 20 pieces of silver. And so this is really symbolic that they are now paying Joseph 20 pieces of silver for their life, right? If they don't get the food, there's a famine, they will die. So they're paying Joseph now the same amount that they paid to get rid of Joseph earlier. They get back to Egypt and Joseph sees Benjamin. He asks about Jacob. He asks how his father is, still hasn't revealed himself to his brothers yet. He actually has to run out of the room and cry because he wouldn't have been able to cry in front of them um, culturally and in the position that he was in that would not have been okay. So he basically runs out so that he can cry and kind of regain his composure. He's so overwhelmed, recognizing all that's happening, all that's taking place. I can't imagine what he must have felt knowing that those dreams that he had said as a young boy were coming true. Um, and just that sense of validation, but also sadness of all the things that have taken place up until this point. These brothers don't know who Joseph is, they just know that the second in command guy is showing them kindness that is over the top and extra. He's inviting them to dinner. It would be very confusing, very frightening. So they kind of freaked out. They kind of were really, 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 really freaked out and nervous as you or I would be in that same situation. Basically, after that dinner, what happens is that Joseph sends them off. He loads them up with food. He sends them off, but he sneaks in his silver cup into the backpack of Benjamin. 
why he does this. It's a whole long process, but basically what he does is he uses that as an excuse to call them back. He sends out his servants, brings them all back. It's a whole lot that transpires in here. But at the end of it, what happens is that he reveals himself to his brothers. They are amazed at this. There is lots of weeping and hugging as they realize that this brother that they had sold off into slavery that they thought they would never, ever, ever see again is actually standing in front of them in this position of honor. They have had to bow to him. They have had to come to him. They are at his mercy. I imagine all of those things flashing back through their mind as it had for Joseph and that all of these pieces of this puzzle are fitting together now. There's loud weeping, there's hugging, there's rejoicing. And Joseph promises that he is going to care for his family for the rest of the five years of famine. Remember, there's going to be a total of seven years of famine. They're two years into this. And so Joseph promises that he's going to take care of his family for the remaining five years of the famine. In chapter 45, he says, God sent me before you. Joseph realizes, realizes that God had prepared everything for this moment. Back when Joseph was talking about these dreams of the stars bowing down and all of these things happening, um, he's realizing that this is the moment that those dreams were symbolizing. This is the moment that all of this culminated to. Pharaoh even says that he's going to let the whole family settle in the land of Goshen. Why is that significant? Well, first of all, this is Pharaoh. He it's not the mean, nasty Pharaoh we know to be later on, but still he is leader of Egypt. He rules everything. And he is saying, yeah, Joseph, it's awesome that your family has been reunited with you. Let them settle in. And this isn't just, you know, 10, 12 people. This is 70 plus family members that all come and resettle with Pharaoh's blessing in the land of Goshen. Why is that important? Well, if Joseph's brothers, if Jacob and, and that his family had stayed where they were, they would have wound up inter intermarrying with other cultures in that time. Why is that significant? Well, the Israelites would have failed to exist as their culture at that point. As they intermarried, as there was this mingling of cultures, the Israelite culture that um, we know to be that promised people of God would have disappeared. By them being able to resettle in the land of Goshen, God is preparing the way for them to preserve their culture and their identity. That's incredible to think about all of that. But I want to focus in on Joseph, on the fact that when he saw his brothers right away, he wasn't rude to them. He didn't find out a reason to not give them the food. He didn't um, berate them and be like, why should I give you food now? You guys were dummies. You didn't plan for a famine. You should have listened to me. You sold me into slavery. There were so many things where Joseph could have been bitter. He could have been angry. He could have let that rule his life. But instead, we see that when he is reunited with his brothers, he lavishes love and kindness with them. Even before he revealed who he was, he was inviting them into his place. He was inviting them for dinner. He was making them feel comfortable. He lavished love on these people that had been cruel and mean and vicious. These were family members that had turned their back on him. 
And yet he is filled with compassion, much like the Lord is filled with compassion towards our sinful self. And he was able to lavish love on his family. He welcomed them. Yes, he was a little bit initially cautious. That was led by the Lord so that there could be a showing of true repentance and growth by his brothers. And so I want to encourage you with this story. I want you to think about um, maybe difficult experiences that you've gone through, challenging things that you've experienced, um, maybe some really painful trauma, maybe um, some really difficult, difficult, difficult things. Now, I want you to think about whether you have used or are using those painful moments to allow God to use you to lavish love on other people. I'm not saying that you ignore and brush aside the trauma and the grief that you have experienced in your life, not by a long shot, but we can acknowledge the pain of our past experiences and also use that pain to be able to lavish love in unexpected amazing ways when we let the Lord lead us. And so I want to encourage you, how are you loving well? How are you using your experiences, even the painful ones, to allow you to be in a spot of tenderness and um, a willingness to look for ways to lavish love? You know, Joseph could have been really mad. He could have been bitter that the cupbearer didn't tell him, didn't tell Pharaoh about him sooner. He could have been mad that he had ever been thrown in jail to begin with. He could have been mad that he was thrown um, into, into the pit and then sold for slavery. He could have been mad about so many things. But I wonder if he had held on to all of that and been angry and taken that anger out on God, if God would have still used him in such an incredible way. I don't know. But I do know this, that he did not allow himself to get bitter, that he did not allow himself to lose his integrity or lose who he was just because of the circumstances. And so wherever you are, whatever your circumstances are, can I encourage you to seek the Lord? Trust him. God is good even when circumstances are not. And if we know that to be true, then we can then lavish that love onto other people as they go through their own challenging circumstances. Joseph is a great example of what it looks like to love well. I'm so glad you joined me for this week's episode of Love Well on Purpose. If you enjoyed this, I hope that you would subscribe to this on YouTube or on any of the podcast platforms you're listening to. Leaving a review is incredibly helpful to help me grow this Love Well on Purpose community. And another way that you can help me grow is by signing up for my email list. It's really simple to do. Just go to rachelshelb.com slash connect. And I send out a monthly newsletter, which includes some things that you may have missed, as well as some of my favorite things. I also will, from time to time, send you out some freebies or some new things that um, I have available to you. Also, if you want to know which uh, verses I talked about or any quotes from this week's episode, you can go to show notes, rachelshelb.com slash the podcast. I'm so glad you joined me. Let's go love well on purpose.